G'day trendsetters, welcome to this episode 85 of Ask the Coach, brought to you by Train Smooth. My name is Tim Egg, and as always, shoot me through all your questions. Tim at trainsmooth.com or jump on the website, trainsmooth.com. So, working in the same theme as we've had in the last two days, this episode's going to be a little bit different again. Uh, not sure if any you guys really know it, but in the past I've had a couple of different podcasts some were complete failures but some actually did quite well um the one that did one of them that did quite well i was interviewing pro triathletes elite age groupers and some uh, some elite coaches unfortunately due to time killing me i was on i had to shut that podcast down you're unable to listen to these episodes because i've shut it down so these all these episodes is just sitting on my hard drive and just recently retired pro now John Woods got in contact with me asking can he listen to this episode that he did with me and I, I thought yeah okay we'll, we'll get it get it to him and then I was just thinking why don't I put it, all these episodes back on the podcast so maybe just one a week one a fortnight or thereabouts I'll just drop a one of these interviews straight onto the onto this so you can actually listen to it and because there's some real cool um real cool information and real cool content in in a lot of their stuff some of it's a little bit out of date like when i'm asking them what their kona picks are how their next race is and you know we're talking about two years ago here or three years ago so but the interviews themselves are quite good so this isn't going to interfere with the daily asking the coach questions but one one day a week, one day a fortnight, or thereabouts, uh, you're going to get two episodes in the one day come up. So if you want to listen to these episodes with these cool dudes um, and cool cats, <laughs> um, you're going to, you know, by all means, listen to them. If not, just delete them and move on to the next episode. So today's interview actually come from the man himself is John Woods. So John Woods is a retired pro triathlete he moved to being an elite age grouper as i was interviewing him on this episode uh unfortunately he's left the sport altogether now um which i think is a crying shame i I used to get great enjoyment by following his triathlon career but he's a cool cat um lives in a very very small town in smithton well used to live in a small town called smithton in tasmania um, I mentioned him in one of these episodes when he used to do open water swimming in ridiculously cold weather. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Until next time. Hey, Ray. Oh, happy to have on to today's show, John Woods. How are you, mate? Oh, I can't complain in a Tassie November day with the sun on us. <laughs> yeah. But you've got an interesting story because you've just handed um, your pro licence in and become an age grouper. Why don't you tell us a quick, quick spill about that? Uh, I did uh, Kona as an amateur in 2011 um, and I thought I'd give the the pro thing a go so that was uh, 2012 Uh, didn't didn't make the transition so well so 2012 was a bit of a rough year for me changed coaches amongst other things and uh, 2013-14 season it came together for me quite nicely Uh, I think I finished I need someone to confirm this 94th I think I finished um, ranking and uh, yeah, so uh, what's happened is more of a personal stage of my life at the moment. My wife's a doctor, and the short story is there's just not enough doctors out in the bush, and um, I can't embrace the lifestyle of a pro anymore because um, my wife is 
Well, it's not good on her, so I've had to make a big call and um, back to the age group ranks. Uh, next race in Bustleton, looking forward to it. Was it hard, uh, hard decision going back to being an age grouper? Yeah, it was a bit, I mean, I'm 39. I, I, uh, I really get inspired by my fellow pro and friend Simon Cochran, who's um, at 9, 10 years younger than me. I really wish I was at his stage of, of his life because uh, I kind of feel like I've just opened the door to have a look at the, the pro kingdom, if you will, and I've sort of had an insight into what is required and what needs to be done to get from where I think I finished 94th and get obviously into the top 50. Uh, to, yeah, so I've had a look at it and uh, Simon's going to make it. He's got time on his side, but I'm 39 and um, I guess I had to make the decision, you know, could I... Could I get my mental game and everything else together in time before my body gave up on me? And um, so I, I thought I had just enough time if I gave it a good go. You know, I really wanted to make sure that I answered all my questions and, and went to my grave with no question unanswered. And uh, but then uh, situations changed at my wife's work, and that's it. I'll over she wrote. So how old were you when you turned pro? Oh dear, hang on, <laughs> <laughs> I've got to think about that. Uh, I was at 2011, um, so I must have been 36, there you go, 36. Did you, did you get any negative feedback on that, being, oh, you're over the hill at that age, or? Uh, can I say I'm young for my age? Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I sort of went in with the, the mindset that, uh, you know, you know, guys like Dave Scott, I don't want to compare myself to him, that's silly, but, you know, he was turfing out some pretty good performances in 1994 at the age of 42, and um, uh, Lance Armstrong, love him or hate him, was still uh, turfing them out in early 40s, and Greg Bennett and uh, Cameron Brown, Craig Alexander. I mean, I don't want to compare myself to those people, that's not fair, but uh, I use them as an inspiration that, uh, you know, there's a few years left in me yet. Yeah, well, you... You have um, improved in times per, uh, over since becoming a pro, haven't you? Yeah, um, my first race as a pro, less said about that, the better. So we'll, <laughs> that, that was, let's just say uh, I learnt a lot. Uh, you, have, you have bad days, sorry, you have good days and days when you learn a lot, and I learnt a lot that day. But uh, that one aside, um, I PB'd at least one discipline every race up until Japan recently, where that was a mental PB. And uh, then Malaysia just a few weeks ago, uh, I didn't PB anything. I was just hanging in there. Although I PB'd a non-wetsuit swim. So, you know, there were certainly signs of improvement. Uh, was, for me, it was about getting it all together on the day. And I figured that race wasn't far away. But uh, no point talking about it because it's over. Yeah. So we'll backtrack a bit. What got you into triathlon? Oh, that's the cliche 1994 Greg Welsh win at Kona. I don't know how many people say that, but yeah. yeah, I'm one of them. I saw that and I liked it, and uh, off we went. And did you do any sports as a child? Yeah, um, being a, a country Queensland kid, did the classics, you know, cricket, rugby league. Uh, then I moved to Brisbane to a boarding school and uh, was rugby union and more cricket. And there was always soccer in there and volleyball, you name it, I was, I was into it. But the important question who's your rugby league team? I can't stand rugby league anymore. Oh, what? <laughs> no. I, yeah, less said about my belief in, in uh, rugby league, the better. I'll probably upset too many people. Oh, 
Just, just for the purpose of the show, we'll just pretend you're a Newcastle Knights supporter. Oh, whatever works, mate. Whatever works. <laughs> I'm inspired by Wayne Bennett. There you go. And he was with the Knights, but he's back with the Broncos now. So Yeah, he's, yeah. He's there are some good. really good uh, role models in, in rugby league. I don't want to paint them all with the same brush, but uh, Wayne Bennett would have to be my... Uh, yeah, I, I admire him, so go with wherever he's going. Wasn't he St George for a while as well? Yeah, he was. He had some success there. Yeah, so there you go. Wherever Wayne Bennett goes. He's had terrible success, terrible luck at the Knights, but we, we'll just <laughs> glide over that one. Mate, um, so going back to um, when you, what made you actually turn pro? What Because um, that would have been a hard decision, would it? Yeah, it actually started... Um, in New Zealand 2011, uh, I came sixth in the very difficult male 35 to 39 age group. Um, I, there's reason to suggest I could have come third if I hadn't had a, a four-minute break in transition courtesy of uh, an official. Thank you for that. <laughs> and uh, so I kind of thought, you know, here I am um, at the time, uh, 35, and, you know, you got a choice. You either train really – well, you've got three choices. You train really, really hard and you become a better age grouper or you train really, really hard and you have a go at pro or you just give up on the sport. And um, I have a pretty short attention span at the best of times. So uh, I sort of thought, well, I'll give the pro thing a go because I'm going to be training just as hard. And, um, yeah, it certainly fulfilled my expectation that it was a totally different race. So that was good. I quite like the story that how you've done it at that age because there'd be nothing worse than sitting back in your... um, old rocking chair on your porch at 80 thinking I could have gone pro and didn't I think that was that's pretty um inspirational but um because you've got a you've got an amazing coach that only coaches amazing athletes in in my opinion uh, <laughs> um what did um Alan Pittman do to your training from being an age grouper to pro yeah, so um, backtracking on the journey, uh, 2012 was when I started going pro. I had a really, really good coach in uh, Perth. It was, he was fantastic, uh, Andy Budge. And then I had a really good swim coach in um, um, Warwick Dalziel in Brisbane. Uh, the problem was with me is that I kept telling Andy, you know, give me uh, your best training program. Then I'd say to Warwick, give me your best training program. And then I'd see my exercise physiologist and say, you know, give me your best training program. <laughs> And so between the three of them, there was probably no easy weeks because I kept asking for the most out of each of them and not really communicating very well. And so non-surprisingly, it led to a burnout in 2012 and I did the proverbial walk along the beach about whether I wanted to keep going down this path. And I contacted my uh, good friend Craig Redman uh, as a triathlon legend here in Tassie. And um, I said, you know, where where, where should I go with this? And, And he said, you know, who are the coaches that you know? And I said, oh, I know Alan Pittman. He, uh, I actually used to train with him um, back in the mid-90s uh, with Troy Fittler. And, uh, but I you know, also know Warwick Dalziel, and he knew about him. And, uh, and, uh, and Craig said, well, you know, either go with the scientist or the spiritualist. And I said, well, which one do you recommend, mate? And he said, uh, look, you're far too anal. You need to, uh, you need to go with Al, <laughs> and he'll, he'll sort you out. So Al has the... Uh, bravely I think he was a bit tentative at first but he's bravely taken me on and he's tried to uh, take the scientist and the empiricist and the technophile out of me and put me into a more rounded athlete he taught me and continues to teach me the art of Ironman not just the science of it all so that's how I came to be with the the mighty Alan Pittman yeah still with him yeah nice um so what is uh, 
your typical training week look like in 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 the tri season? Uh, that that has changed a lot this year. Bustleton will be my fifth Ironman for this year, and so I found um, there hasn't really been too much build phases. Uh, I seem to be perpetually. It's what I call the Vabrashek approach, where you're either racing, tapering, or recovering. I'm not quite up to Peter Vabrushek's standard where he does goodness knows how many a year, 20-something races a year. Uh, but yeah, I never really found that I was doing huge, big build work. I actually think I trained harder as an age grouper when I only had one or two Ironman a year. Uh, since switching to pro, it was more about uh, smaller increments in races. I mean... When you're racing Japan August 24 and then Malaysia September 27, there's not a heck of a lot you can do in between. You're sort of still licking your wounds from the last hit out. So, uh, and to, to answer your question though, my, my training would be a normal day would be, you know, get up 500 crunchies, um, uh, maybe do some weights, then uh, do some swimming, then hop on the bike um, and go for a wee run. Uh, so usually that's all done and dusted by midday and... Uh, I do it all on one tablespoon of oil to increase my metabolic efficiency, and obviously I do the you know the 100k, 100 trials, which is pretty stock standard I think for most triathletes. And uh, I really do love my long aerobic rides. You know, I, I get the occasional one in, not as much as I used to as an age group, but I love them. The nice you know three, six-hour aerobic rides, which usually have a compulsory cafe stop. <laughs> <laughs> if there's no coffee in it, I'm not in it. <laughs> yeah, nice. What about, um, like you've been doing five Ironman a year, what, what's your, how, does that, how have you been going with that? Because you hear all these talks where all, all these so-called experts are saying, oh, you shouldn't be doing any more than one to two Ironman a year, but you're, you're a continuous four to five a year. Yeah, I, I think you've got to build up to it. Uh, you got I've been doing this for oh, since mid two thousands, so um, it's not something I'd recommend somebody to do in their first year, or you know, certainly in their first few years. Uh, you, your body's got to learn how to train, how to recover. And I think the other thing you've got to nail is your diet and uh, getting that right, working out what foods cause you troubles and inflame you and if you get those out of your system and you, you know you eat good wholesome foods and your body just ticks along a lot nicely so, so you, let's talk about your diet for instance just explain um your what you have normally like what sort of diet you're on oh it's the high fat low carb diet um put out there by uh tim noakes and uh, a few other people out there um grant schofield in new zealand uh, Karen's in, uh, Steve Penny, Jeff Volick in the US, and uh, yeah, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's um, I get buying roughly about 25 grams of carbs a day, so my diet's 80% fat, uh, 15% uh, protein, and just a wee bit of carbs in there, usually from berries and a few other things, and yeah, that's how I come along. How long did it take you to adapt to this? Uh, first couple of weeks were pretty ordinary. Um, I've since found out that's what they call the that flu or the, something like that there's a funny term for it uh, yeah I wish someone had been around me at that time to explain to me what was going on because I felt pretty ordinary but yeah it's taken me um, the customary three to six months um, some people take longer uh, there was a bloke I heard who was 190 kilos took him three years to adapt but hey he got there um, I didn't quite have that much to lose so uh, got it done in about three to six months so what would you have on the lead up to, like the day before an Ironman, and what would you have on an, uh, during a race? 
Oh, the day before, uh, roughly about 200 grams of carbs. Uh, I find I work on um, just rice cakes. And um, the other one that I work well on is, is tahini. I mean, everybody's different. I don't want everybody to go out there and try the John Woods diet. You need to find out what works for you. Uh, so I'm not a big subscriber to the one size fits all diet. You need to find out what your fuel is, you know, and then it feels like, yeah, you're putting unleaded into the right car. You're not putting diesel in the in the car. And uh, so, yeah, about 200 grams uh, race, race day, no, sorry, the day before. And on race day, uh, pretty customary, really. Uh, I, don't, I don't do so well with fructose and uh, whey protein, so that really limits what uh, products I can have. So I tend to make my own, um, my own slot, which has my own um, ingredients in there, and uh, put them together. But there's still, you know, glucose in there. There's quite a few tablespoons of glucose. I think top of my head about 20 tablespoons of glucose. Yeah. Well, um, well where you live um, in Smithton in in Tasmania, it's not exactly a hub of pro triathletes that live there. Uh, just um, just explain what Smithton, where Smithton is and what sort of town it is. Uh, Smithton, we're here in Launceston at the moment in, uh, in Tim's Heidi Hole and Smithton's 230 kilometres west of that. You can stand on my coastline and you point out to sea and the next body of land is South America and we have a nice little park there which is called Edge of the World which probably describes where I live. So uh, about 3,000 people in my town. Uh, it's very um, timber and uh, fishing and a little bit of mining um, minded so that you know they're very much blue collar Aussie sort of uh, town. Um, not a huge demand for people in Lycra. So <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit of an anomaly out there but uh, again going back to my friend uh, Craig Redmond and um, I never actually had much to do with Craig Walton but he was Redmond. They, uh, they did really really well Walton as a professional and then um, Craig Redmond as an amateur back in their heyday and um, they said they used to turn races and no one knew what was going on with the Tasmanians. They'd just rock on up and, uh, and then do very very well and I think uh, if Richie Port's anything to go by uh, we punch above our weight down here in Tassie. If you can survive the winter training it'll harden you up like you wouldn't believe <laughs> but it's all about surviving it. So uh, just tell, talk us through your open water swimming training <laughs> during winter. Uh, I got a heated vest, uh, battery operated heated vest, and I just wear an old uh, racing wetsuit, uh, which I've uncomfortably discovered recently has a tear in the armpit, which <laughs> lets in the cold water. Uh, the water's 14 degrees at the moment, so it's actually quite nice, but it wasn't that long ago, it was 12. So along with my wetsuit and heated vest, I got 7mm neoprene booties and gloves and a hood and um, my sinuses, it still hurts. Uh, the first five minutes is quite ordinary. And I swim for about 15 minutes, and then I have a, a little thermos of black currant juice or hot water, whatever's going on, and uh, then I get another 15 minutes, and then I jump into a hot shower and try and thaw out. <laughs> so what's the, outdoor, what's the outside temperature when you normally do this? Oh, it can be anything. Um, <laughs> single figures usually in winter. Um, it's not so much the temperature that bothers us out where we live as the, uh, the wind chill factor. Uh, where we live, we live right in the face of the roaring 40s, so you can pretty much guarantee we're getting something windy. Yeah. <laughs> That's nasty. You would have to take up a lot of mental strength just to dip a toe in the water, I reckon. That's brutal. You get used to it. Uh, I know the triathletes I coach, it takes, them, it takes a little bit of convincing 
to get them to come out. But as you said, you know, you, you get used to it. And there's a guy called Lewis Pugh who can swim a kilometre in Antarctic waters and Arctic waters, so I don't really, and nowhere to, so I don't really have any room to gripe. <laughs> so so you, you've gone, you've come back to being an age grouper. So what's your plans for the next, uh, for this coming tri season? Uh. I'm looking forward to um, not racing um, seriously for a while. Like, I really want to give Basso a good ding-dong, and um, if it doesn't come off for me there, I'll have to uh, replan. But at this stage, I really want to give it a good go and, um, yeah, just back off over summer. We've got some really good local Tassie races at Bridport and um, on January 4th, and we've got uh, Coles Bay on Valentine's Day and our own Devonport Olympic Distance in March. These are all great local races and I've kind of been on the outside of it because I haven't really been able to do them because I'm preparing for some Ironman or another. So I'm looking forward to actually just getting involved in a bit of grassroots racing. Um, if my wife can get a locum, gee I say that a lot, uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll be in Europe uh, middle of next year and I did Alpe d'Huez uh, last year. That's another one of these great you know, outside of the main fraternity sort of races, which I, I really get attracted to them. Uh, I did Gunda Windy last year. It's just that sort of experience where it's just been run by mums and dads. Uh, this triathlon back to its um, most beautiful, in my opinion. So I'm looking forward to getting getting back with the real people, if I can say that. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on, that sounded really bad. There's nothing wrong the with peasants. who I've been racing. It's just just the bottom feeders. Oh, <laughs> we just blipped that from the interview. Yeah. Um, so if you were to start over again today, what, would you do anything different? Yeah, I, um, when I started my first year, I, I, uh, I graduated back in the Stone Ages with an uh, exercise science degree, and I went in thinking, I know, I know, I know what to do. I didn't have a coach, I didn't do any core stab, uh, didn't get bike fitted, <laughs> just grabbed whatever bike was on sale. And uh, yeah, it was. I guess I went in um, thinking I could do it with what I knew. And I think if I had my time again, I think I would have uh, called up Alan Pittman and said, Al, do you remember me from 12 years ago? <laughs> and I, I think I would have saved myself a lot of grief, a lot of bad purchases. Uh, I mean, let's face it, when you go to an Ironman, it's not cheap. All the training and getting there, you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, I think I could have saved myself a few bad races if I just called the man who's been racing for... When did Alan race? I think he, he used to race Noah, didn't he? Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure of it. <laughs> back, back in the day, you know. You know, if you've got a 30-something year encyclopedia of Ironman there to tap into, just do that. So, so, so you've got... You've got um, the great Alan Pittman on your corner. Is there anyone else that you rely on? Uh, Obviously your wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's um, My wife is uh, a GP, as I said, and she's also doing a um, fellowship in nutrition and another fellowship in adventure medicine. So she has a lot to teach me in regards to nutrition for the endurance athletes. So she's good value. Uh, I've got a really good friend, um, fellow pro... Oh, sorry, I'm not a pro anymore. Pro athlete Simon Cochran over there in New Zealand. He's just come third in Challenge Penticton, and uh, he, he's a he's a good bloke to train with. And um, we did a boot camp together in July. Uh, so yeah, he, he teaches me a lot. He's also um, a personal trainer, so he's fixing up my technique on so I don't pop a disc on my deadlifts and whatever else I do wrong. Uh, so he's good value. And another guy I train with is Craig McGudgeon, who. Um, First in the 45 to 49 year old category at Port Macquarie uh, this year, and um, he's he's really good with the swim, and uh, he he certainly picks up on some of my 
uh, technique flaws. I've seen about a dozen swim coaches uh, over the years, and I actually rate myself as a pretty good swim coach for the sheer fact that I suck as a swimmer. So I have had to struggle uh, tooth and nail to uh, learn how to swim. I'm not saying I'm a good swimmer, I'm just saying I've thought that many different opinions um, on how to uh, fix up my technique. I reckon I've, I can empathise with the average sinker because uh, these talented superfish who've never experienced what it's like to sink like a brick, I'm not sure if they, they understand what it's like for the rest of us who have to struggle every metre. <laughs> so, so you do coaching. Do you, is it just purely in your community or are you doing online coaching as well? Uh, just in my community at this stage, um, Tracy Doherty, bless her pink slippers, who uh, hits up a triathlon Tasmania. Uh, yeah, she's, she's been trying to get me on a coaching course, and through no fault of her own, just through me being slack, I just, well, I haven't done it. That's the short story. I, so I need to pull my finger out. Um, I've, done, I've just uh, started um, a PhD in uh, high-fat, low-carb living, and um, obviously I won't be able to help myself. I'll have to look at how high-fat, low-carb affects the endurance athlete, particularly the Ironman. And um, so, I, I, as I said before, I've got that exercise science degree and I've got a psychotherapy degree and I've got more degrees in an oven. So <laughs> hopefully I can put all that together and hopefully one day become a half-decent But I just need to get the right piece of paper. <laughs> so where can people connect with you on Twitter? Because I do like your Twitter <laughs> Okay, uh, my wife, my wife <laughs> named me this. I actually have this on a shirt. Uh, my wife wears this shirt. Uh, it's called At His Bike Is Crap. And so my wife has a shirt <laughs> that says His Bike Is Crap. It has an arrow pointing to the right and she makes sure that I'm always her right-hand man. <laughs> and I have my own shirt that says that and I did my best to photo them all the pros in Kona. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a lot of fun with that one. So his bike is crap on Twitter. Did you get any pros next year? Yeah, yeah. No, I got Macca. I bombed him real good. He was at the uh, medical conference speaking and um, just snuck up on him real good. And you ride the same bike as him, don't you? I like to think he rides the same bike as me. Can no, I say that? No. <laughs> he, he gave up on pro before I did. <laughs> no, I'm starting to sound a bit up myself now. No, uh, yeah, yeah. Macca and, Macca and I ride the same shiv. No. Now, I'd like to finish off uh, all interviews asking, have you got any good, funny or embarrassing stories during training, travel, racing? The more embarrassing area, the best, better. I'm sure there is. Just, uh, <laughs> nothing comes to mind. Uh, usually there's heaps. Uh, I reckon if you'd warned me, I could have thought of it. <laughs> can we put it on pause so I can have a think? Yeah, of course we uh, can. Hang on, pause. All right, we're back from a quick pause for the cause. We're here for this story for John. Okay. Uh, my, I, as, as, as I already said, I live in Tasmania, but I go up to Brisbane when I can and train with the, the psychos up there. And um, I tend to only go to Brisbane in winter because it's stinking hot in summer and it's really hard. Well, we would leave Tasmania in summer anyway. We, we live in a postcard. So I go to Brisbane in winter and I train with the psychos. And um, they have this thing called the Bradley Award. I don't know where Al got it from. It's one of Al's past athletes, I think. And the Bradley Award goes to the person who wins the warm-up. And that was always me. And uh, so they started calling me Bradley. And the reality of it is, is that when I turn up to training to go swimming, 
these Queenslanders would have their bathrobes and their UGG boots on right up until the moment that they jump into the water. And I swear some of them were thinking about going in with the UGG boots. Whereas, you know, being a Tasmanian, it's 13, 14 degrees. It's time to get your gear off down to your budgie smugglers because, you know, you can get a suntan in that. And so I'm ready to go. So, when, you know, it's time to start swimming. I'm already in my um, budgie smugglers. Off I go. No worries. You know, I've got 100 metres done before the others have uh, disrobed. So in my squad... I perpetually get the Bradley Award <laughs> from being the biggest well, tosser, really, <laughs> who has to win the warm-up. So I'm that guy. They're great up at Queensland. I remember going up there last July. We left here, it was minus four degrees or something, and you got up there, it was just beautiful. We were just dripping. We've um, taken our clothes off straight away, and the taxi driver that picks us up says, oh, it's a bit cold today. I'm thinking, really? Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. Yeah, that, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Um, well, how do you find tra- um, training with the psychos? Because they're a pretty awesome awesome bunch of guys, aren't they? Yeah, I just as I mentioned earlier, we uh, had a boot camp up there in July, and it was just uh, fantastic. Uh, the, the, the mental difference that it made just hanging out with like-minded people. Uh you know, and there was, there was a diversity of ages there. I don't want it to sound like they're, you know, they're all you know, pros and age group winners. There was there's certainly a, a diversity of talent there. And uh, we all just bounced off each other. And uh, for my mind, there was the right amount, right amount of camaraderie with the right amount of competitiveness. I mean, try as we might, um, it's hard to keep the ego totally out of it. So I know um, those guys I was talking about earlier, Craig and Simon, certainly knocked the stink out of me a few times and put me back in my place and um, I tried to return the favour as often as I could but uh, we all did it with a spirit of camaraderie which I, I think is a, is a healthy yeah. uh, training group. You also get like um, Pete Jacobs turning up to, for their monthly yes. um, time trials often. Yeah, yeah, he, he, uh, he, I can't speak for Pete but uh, I can... You know, he keeps turning up, so there must be something there. Yeah. It's, it's, as I said, it's just a great camaraderie. And when you're training by yourself all day, every day, like I do, it's a real novelty to, to train with others. And um, as you said before, I particularly like turning up in winter and hearing them complain <laughs> about how cold, wet and windy it is. And Yeah. That's right. God bless the Brisbane lights. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. I appreciate it, and it's been good. So, and I'll um, we'll look forward to seeing how you go in Busso. Thanks, Tim. Cheers. See you, mate.